Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. It is not lost on me that it is June 6th. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today, good to be with you. That it is D-Day. The invasion of the beaches at Normandy, June 6th, 1944. The incredible idea of Operation Overlord. The idea that we would simply take these beaches. We would just advance with these numbers of troops and we would force the Germans to recognize we're here, we're coming, and you can't stop us. Omaha, Sword, Juno, Gold, Utah. This operation is, well, worthy of every bit of study. But never forget all of this happened. All of this happened because of uh, the attack at Pearl Harbor. And all of this happened because pushing back the Germans, destroying their designs for world domination, was a necessity in order to keep a free society. Franklin Delano Roosevelt was the president, and there is uh, from him a prayer that he gave regarding D-Day. This is, I believe I have it in full, that prayer. Last night, when I spoke with you about the fall of Rome, I knew at that moment that troops of the United States and our allies were crossing the channel in another and greater operation. It has come to pass with success thus far. And so, in this poignant hour, I ask you to join with me in prayer. Almighty God, our sons, pride of our nation, this day have set upon a mighty endeavor, a struggle to preserve our republic, our religion, and our civilization and to set free a suffering humanity. Lead them straight and true. Give strength to their arms, stoutness to their hearts, steadfastness in their faith. They will need thy blessings. Their road will be long and hard. For the enemy is strong. He may hurl back our forces, Success may not come with rushing speed, but we shall return again and again. And we know that by thy grace and by the righteousness of our cause, our sons will triumph. They will be sore tried by night and by day without rest until the victory is won. The darkness will be rent by noise and flame. Men's souls will be shaken with the violences of war. For these men, 
are lately drawn from the ways of peace. They fight not for the lust of conquest. They fight to end conquest. They fight to liberate. They fight to let justice arise and tolerance and goodwill among all thy people. They yearn but for the end of battle, for their return to the haven of home. Some will never return. Embrace these, Father, and receive them, thy heroic servants, into thy kingdom. And for us at home, fathers, mothers, children, wives, sisters, and brothers of brave men overseas, whose thoughts and prayers are ever with them, help us, almighty God, to rededicate ourselves in renewed faith in thee in this hour of great sacrifice. Many people have urged that I call the nation into a single day of special prayer. But because the road is long and the desire is great, I ask that our people devote themselves in a continuance of prayer. As we rise to each new day, and again when each day is spent, let words of prayer be on our lips, invoking thy help to our efforts. Give us strength to strengthen our daily tasks, to redouble the contributions we make in the physical and the material support of our armed forces. And let our hearts be stout to wait out the long travel, to bear sorrows that may come, to impart our courage unto our sons, wheresoever they may be. I tried to find a version that didn't have the piano uh, under it. I was... I was unlucky in in doing that in time i thought this was the clearest uh, fdr version i could find a president today would get vilified for that they'd get ripped apart for that i'm not an fdr fan the expansion of government his own personal predilections when's the last time you heard anybody talk like that When's the last time you actually felt a country was connected like that? September 11th? Challenger explosion? When? I I am not saying that I want war to bring a nation together. I don't think war could bring a nation together. Nor do I think that the nation's going to come together tomorrow. I believe the only way to the other side... The only way out is through. I believe that we are in it. In this divide, in this struggle, in this real, for lack of any other word, civil war. About thoughts and ideas and philosophy. 
about how one does create a better society. How one keeps the society that they have. About how one is most free. And certainly with the ability to engage in honesty in the public square. There are a lot of things I care about. There are a lot of things that I think matter. But when we go through a a, a ranking, I'm not so sure what matters more than the ability to address the issues in front of you and ask whether or not an idea is a good idea. I'm not saying that you don't put defense of the country in front of that. I am saying that if you don't have that, what's the value of defending the country? You don't have anything worth defending anyway. When we discuss this this idea of a civil war, I don't use the term lightly. I'm not trying to be glib. What else to describe it? There is a segment of society that believes you should not have a say. You shouldn't have a say in your kid's education. You shouldn't have a say on social media. You shouldn't have a say in the workplace. As a matter of fact, they want to force you to a speech, force you to certain hirings, force you to stay out of your kid's life or else lose your children. Well, my gosh, if I cannot engage these things, discuss these things, talk about these things, what is the purpose of anything else? You would think that I believe this because this is my job, right? I'm a guy who talks for for a living. The point is we have to be able to talk. We have to be able to share. Ideas need to be put into the public, and then you take a look at whether or not they're good ideas or not. That has to happen. That is necessary for a free society, and we have people who don't believe this thing. In the end, that's what we're talking about. People who believe that you shouldn't have a say, and that's what it's about that's what actually the war is about if you have people saying that my gosh of course an eight-year-old can determine their gender and you are saying i don't think an eight-year-old should be seeing that kind of stuff in the school library and then they tell you you're about book banning and you shouldn't be allowed to have a say in your kid's future and if you don't affirm their decisions your kid should be taken from you they're saying you don't have the right to speak it is about fear and control and domination because it is not because i just say so because we just played it out this is what's happening and in order to have a society worth saving a society worth being a part of you cannot allow that to happen it has to stop it has to stop and it can only stop if we fight the germans only stop if we fight the japanese only stopped because we fought after all we were attacked we were attacked it's okay to respond and it's okay to win every good thing came from winning world war ii free speech the ability to engage in the public square civil discourse without the risk of losing your children or being canceled or being killed all of these things are still possible to achieve because of what happened on january 6th 1944 
to which the debt is still owed. I'm Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz Today. Just a month ago, the NFL suspended a series of players. The majority of them with the Detroit Lions. And then a player with the Washington Commanders. They were suspended for gambling on NFL games. Some of them for just gambling on college games, but they did so from an NFL facility, which the NFL does not approve of. Tony Katz, good to be with you. JMV joins us right now from 93.5-1075, the fan, because the story as it started breaking yesterday was that a member of the Indianapolis Colts was under investigation for gambling potentially on Colts games. Now we have a statement from Isaiah Rogers saying, quote, addressing the current reports, I want to take full responsibility for my actions. I know I have made mistakes and I am willing to do whatever it takes to repair the situation. The last thing I ever wanted to do was be a distraction to the Colts organization. My coaches and my teammates. I made an error in judgment, he continues, and I am going to work hard to make sure that those mistakes are rectified through this process. It's an honor to play in the NFL, and I have never taken that lightly. I am very sorry for all of this. JMV, how does this all break down? What is happening here? Well, I think that uh, Isaiah Rogers has played his final game in a Colts uniform. He's got a year left on a deal. Had a tremendous opportunity, you know, given the secondary situation. We've talked about a number of times with Stephon Gilmore being traded and all the needs that they have in that secondary, in particular, a corner. But he is, if all this information we've seen so far is accurate, if he acts bet on NFL games, we have seen that hold up as a punishment from the NFL as the entirety of a year. So we can both do the math on this. Why in the world would you need him around any longer if you know he's going to be gone for the entirety of the year and you know he's got a one-year deal remaining? So if I'm the Colts, I wouldn't be surprised if he got cut here relatively soon once all of the details come out that are concrete and the NFL makes their decision. And, Tony, you brought up something interesting, too. I mean, the, the whole rules about gambling are clear inside the locker room. There, there are signs posted saying you, you can't do it. You know, obviously within the facility. Now, if you have a friend, for example, that would want to wager for you outside the facility or if you're outside the facility on something else, then that can be viewed as as different. I guess you could get away with it that way. The player is still going to get tagged, but not for a year. What I'm saying is in all this, the rules are murky. The fact that NFL teams are firmly in bed with these sports wagering sites it makes it really odd, and, and obviously it, it, it looks like something that, well, you're taking the money, but these guys can't do it. But here's the deal. It states right there, everywhere you go, that you're not allowed to do this. There are rules. He did not follow them. And evidently he did it, Tony, on behalf of 25 and $50 parlay wagers, which is just incredibly dumb. So I would be incredibly surprised if he is a member of this team much longer. If it were let's, me, I would let's just take a, him loose. Let's take a, a step back. Talking to JMV yeah. from 93.5, 107.5, the fan, the voice of sports in Indiana. 
Um, the rules are the rules. Uh, you know, the the, yeah. the the murkiness about the where is different than the murkiness of if you can. And right. it doesn't matter if that there's uh, sports wagering allowed. You as a player can't do it. Us as radio hosts cannot engage in plugola and payola. We actually take courses uh, about these things. Uh, he's admitting to doing something. The point is, is that we don't know what the the details of the something are. Do we know how long the NFL has been investigating this, and how long were the Colts aware of it? Well, from what I was told, understood, the Colts just were made aware of it. The Colts didn't really? know, and yeah, the, the story as the story goes, it kind of seems that that Isaiah Rogers knew that the NFL. They were investigating him for this longer than the Colts knew. So you can, again, do the math on that. That doesn't sound good whatsoever if that is is true. And I guess, Tony, what we're doing is we're awaiting the concrete details. But it looks as if he did take part in wagering on NFL games. And the cut and the dry of that is that is going to be a season-long suspension, as we've seen with Calvin Ridley um, before as well. So to me, you just go ahead and and move on if you're the Colts. That's that's something that would not surprise me if they chose to do that. So now you're Shane Sykin. You're the coach of the new coach of the Indianapolis Colts, and you've now lost the, this corner. Would you have drafted differently? Are you um, already looking at who you have in development, or is he going uh, directly to saying who's on the wire, who's available out there? How do they handle this, considering the very strong likelihood that certainly he won't be playing. Whether or not he's cut for the team is going to be a, a second question we'll get to. Where is Shane Steichen and Chris Ballard going from here? No, you know, it's funny. If if it's true and, and they were not aware of it, then they may have handled it differently right now because it is far between on the open market as far as corners were concerned. Now, Tony, we can also understand this, that they were in need. This is something you and I have discussed on this show a couple of different times, how in need they are of secondary help. They were in need of that before, even more so now. But, yeah, I think it stands to reason that the Colts could have, would have handled things a little bit differently had they known. If, again, that is true. Uh, Again, a lot to still be kind of ironed out here. But you saw Isaiah Rogers, as you mentioned, had the statement, so he basically owned up to it. And if all that we've heard so far is true, and I have no reason to believe that it's not, then it's bye bye time. So you might as well just move on. And I, is Jim Irsay? Is Jim Irsay the kind of guy who's going to look at this and feel compassionate and figure out a way to 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 not cut him? Or is this the kind of thing that's going to make Irsay blow his top? And he's personally going to throw the guy out of the out of the uh, practice facility. Yeah, I don't know if he's going to personally do it, but I don't think they're. And I guess. I don't have any sympathy for the dude right now either. I don't know how you feel about it. I can't imagine that those around him and Jim Irsay is going to have much sympathy for it. Again, this is if all these reports are concrete, are solid, are true. I don't have much sympathy, so I can't imagine if you're in there. And that's why I kind of brought up the fact that if the Colts didn't know, and he did, I mean, that's not going to help the situation or the matters much at all, Tony. So... No, to answer your question, I can't imagine there's much sympathy going on there. This, to me, is going to be a relatively easy decision, whether or not it's just the NFL that ultimately makes it for you. But I see no reason why you have to move forward with Isaiah Rogers.
We're going to find out soon enough. JMV 93.5, The Fan. I appreciate you taking the time to be with us. He's the voice of sports in Indiana. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz. This was interesting from Jesse Waters over at Fox News. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, good to be with you. I have never met Jesse Waters, never once in my life. We've never done any work together and all the things I've ever done at Fox, he's done much more. (laughs) We've never met. I've got nothing against the dude. He has worked his way into a primetime position. He did the work, respect it, for sure. You might disagree with him on things, but he definitely worked his butt off. Well, this was a a piece he did last night about Robert F. Kennedy Jr. You know, I've had him on the the show, and he's been making the rounds. He's I've seen him on Newsmax, and not so much on uh, the ABCs, NBCs, CBSs. The last thing they want is to discuss a Democrat who very clearly is a legitimate threat to Joe Biden getting uh, renominated. Never mind reelected. There isn't. Strong appetite amongst the Democrats for Joe Biden. As we said months ago, after the State of the Union, we had it right. They simply realized there was no other option. He'll do because there's nobody else that they can replace him with. Nobody else can do. Nobody else will do. With Biden, Democrats have said, all right. Some legislative victories, America isn't, you know, happy about them. They're not excited about them. They don't talk about them like this is so great. They don't. Not even the left uh, does that. And they say, oh, the legislative victories. The, the, the legislation didn't provide value. As a matter of fact, it did just the opposite. So they went with him because they didn't really have an option. They didn't have a choice. This, it was this guy. It, it was this guy, right? Joe Biden, or it was going to be, Kamala Harris. <laughs> yeah, it's that bad. It's that bad. And nobody has it better about Kamala Harris than former Speaker Newt Gingrich. The problem for Biden is that week by week, uh, he looks like he's less there. Uh, and you can't be president of the United States four hours a day. It's not possible. Now, what protects him in part is Kamala Harris. I mean, no, nobody in their right mind is going to suggest that she would be a better president than Biden uh, because four hours a day of Biden is better than three minutes of, of Kamala Harris. Well, what what do you bet? Impossible. I mean, that's just that's just absolutely precious. Four hours a day of Biden is better than three minutes a day of Kamala Harris. And the four hours comes from the fact that he wakes up late. He goes to bed early. He doesn't work weekends. It, it, he's not really there. Now, I will say to you that in the moments that he needs to provide a level of clarity, I think he does a fair job. I don't. I certainly don't agree with him on policy. It is very clear that he has allowed himself to be completely overrun by these um, progressive overlords that he has. But when he does the speech about the debt limit, when he does the State of the Union, in those moments, whatever it is they give him, if they give him anything, of course, uh, it works. It works. That's really not a deniable. On the day-to-day, he's not there. And he does look really bad. He, He does not look like a guy who has what it takes. And that is one of the very, very big reasons why you don't see anything about RFK, because in comparison, RFK Jr. 
looks better. He doesn't necessarily sound better. He's got that throat issue. It's a neurological thing that's affecting his vocal cords. He actually had a titanium bridge put into his vocal cords to allow them to stretch out to help him uh, speak better. And uh, don't get me wrong, I'm not a fan of RFK on policy. He's wrong. Bad ideas. I actually don't like the fact that he's doing so well because RFK Jr. will be more difficult to beat than Joe Biden. There's a real issue there, thousand percent. But I, I, I am more convinced than ever that you got to speak to everybody. You got to engage with everybody. And so I had no problem with having him on the show. Remember, if I got a chance to interview President Biden, I would do it. I would do it. Is, is there a Republican candidate for president that I'm not going to interview? If Cornell West was up for the interview, this communist, I'd do it. I would I, I, I would do it. I, I don't know if this is new for me or just, I think this is the way I've always been. I don't think I've ever been like, I wouldn't do that. I guess there are one or two. There are, I'm not interviewing Louis Farrakhan. So so there's there's an example. But just about everybody else is fair game. I'm not saying that there isn't a bar. I think that's my point. There, there, there's a bar, right? There is a place where like, oh, I don't do that. But Democrats running for office is, is not the place where I do that. This brings me back to Jesse Waters, who said on his show that he won't have Robert F. Kennedy Jr. on, but he, he explains why. Well, you have to start tonight with a little primetime housekeeping update. People always ask me, why we never have certain people on the show? Usually I can give him an answer. But Carol from Appleton, Wisconsin, texted me last week and asked this. Jesse, you always talk about RFK Jr. Why don't you ever have him on? Well, that's a question that I don't have an answer to, Carol. Primetime was one of the first to cover his run against Biden. And even though he's a Democrat, we saw a lot of things eye to eye, like the CIA possibly involved in his uncle's assassination. I even read his book about Fauci. So Primetime invited RFK Jr. on day one of his campaign. We were told we'd be the second interview and then third and then fourth and so on and so on. And two months later, he's going on six different Fox shows. He's going on Newsmax. He's going on Breitbart. He's going on CNN, ABC, dozens of podcasts that we've frankly never heard of. Now, a lot of these are great shows and we don't begrudge these shows for booking him. But I'm starting to feel like RFK doesn't like me. Something's happened. It's never happened to me in my entire career. I'm taking something personally. Is it me, Bobby? I mean, if it is, just tell me. But I'm left with no other choice. In order to defend the honor of this show, Primetime is hereby rescinding our invitation to RFK Jr. We didn't want to do it, but we were forced to. And not only has the invitation been rescinded, RFK Jr. has been slapped with a blanket ban, too. Well, how long is this ban going to be in place? Well, that's for me and for me only to decide. Okay. You understand that that's some made-for-TV goodness right there. But it is interesting how people decide to do interviews and not do interviews and where they talk and, and where they don't and the reasons for it and how it can be taken personally. It is weird. I will admit to you, it is weird when someone will do an interview in place X and not do an interview in place Y. It's weird when you are working with a group, as this has happened to me, you work with a group for weeks and trying to set up for the, for the interview and 
figuring out timings and then, well, what do you want to talk about? And I don't give specific questions. Well, here's the general subjects that we want to get into. I, I will do that, but I'll never give the questions. I, I just won't do it. And then it's like after three weeks or so, oh, we can't make this work. But you made nine other people work. Why'd you make the other nine people work? In my case, and I have seen this happen in in especially doing the stuff at CPAC, the Conservative Political Action Conference, and I'll use this to, uh, as an opportunity to, to hit CPAC for something they deserve to be hit on. Man, they don't give a good holy damn about the Midwest know-how. Know-how. Oh, if you're in D.C., if you're in New York, oh, you're going to get a lot, a lot of love. Oh, you'll get the interviews aplenty. Midwest guy? Whatever. It's, it is 100% accurate. It's Wait, it could just be me. It could be they don't want to talk to me. I'm not saying that isn't possible. It's the Midwest thing. It's, it's remarkable. The speakers. Where are the speakers from the part of the country that you take for granted? Where are they? You don't see them. Oh, but if you're from the coast, if, if, if you can give some fiery populism conversation... You're all good to go. It's it is it is nuts. It's supposed to be uh people certainly CPAC the Conservative Political Action Conference is much more of the activists you know on on the ACU side. But how about some people with a mind, with a thought, with an idea that's more about the policy, the procedure, the theory, the philosophy of who we are as opposed to and Nancy Pelosi sucks. There's a little too much of that. Want more uh, theory and, and and philosophy is. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. banned? No. I, 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 again, I don't know Jesse at all. I've never met the man. I like the, I like the fun move here though, because I think two things are true. A, it's good TV and it forces people to say, RFK, why aren't you going on primetime? And now he gets to, to be like, hmm, I don't know. I don't know if I want to interview RFK. I don't know. He hurt my feelings. You know what? He owes me an apology. Maybe, maybe he should bring me flowers and some candy, right? It's one, it's one of those kinds of things. But I think the personal thing is true. It's kind of, it, it is amazing because I don't, I don't take any of this personal. Um, At least I didn't. But as I go back through it, and I really, really start investigating myself, because I believe it's an extremely important thing to do. You you should know who you are. Go over things in your head. Make sure you understand why you do things. What indeed are your motivations? What actually moves you? It's about defining and redefining uh, who you are, not in claiming that you're, you know, you're, you're a woman when you're a man or a man when you're a woman. I'm not saying that. But do you understand what it is that actually moves you as a person? And what I found is there are actually things I take personally. I used to say, for years I used to say, I'm a pretty easy guy. And the answer is, the hell I am. I am an absolutely complex, weird dude. It's why I'm not a bro. It's why I'm not a bro. I can't do it. I want to do it so freaking bad i just want to be able to hang and drink a beer and small talk and son of a gun i can't i mean i'm gonna keep trying i am gonna sometimes i will just like like text somebody like you know come have a cigar like let's do i'm practicing i am everybody else they do it so naturally they do it so naturally. I don't know how they do it. I am, I, I really have no jealousy. So I don't know if it's jealousy. It's just wonder. It's like, my gosh, how do you, 
How do you do it? I see people engage in these little small talk things. I'm like, do you know how hard that is for me? Do you know how difficult it is for me to engage in the small talk? How brutal? Oh, I wish I had the skill set, which is so dumb because I do this. And you're like, Tony, that doesn't make any sense. I'm telling you, it's true. But the one thing that, that, that Jesse's saying that I'm wholeheartedly agreeing with is you take it personal. I know it doesn't make any sense and you shouldn't, but you do. But you do, when you realize you get looked over for interviews because uh, your station's not in a top 10 market, I'm based out of Indianapolis. You think I feel bad about that? You you think I'm upset that I'm not in a top 10 market? Forget that. Who wants to live that life? A, a, quick, a quick radio thing. Just follow this because it is amazing when you take the step back. New York is the biggest market number of people oh my gosh you're on radio in new york morning radio in new york yeah that is the top is it if you were to take a look at ratings of 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 radio in new york talk is at the bottom so where actually is the impact because it came from new york nonsense i have so much more impact in in indianapolis in indiana in the midwest so much more what do you want you want to be able to say look at me on the morning host or radio hosted in New York, paying New York prices, living uh, a New York cost? What are you, nuts? Are you insane? That's crazy town. Crazy town. You want to be in the place, I'm assuming, if you're a guy who wants to have impact in a place where you can have impact and really engage and, and, and stuff like that. But there are other sides to it, which is people like, oh, oh, we, we, we don't deal with those small markets. And they think of you as flyover country. And you're like, kiss off. Actually, I've learned now being here nine years. Bless your heart. Oh, bless your heart. There's nothing. There, whoever first came up with that. Can we just, a little something, a little, bless your heart is so good. Because when I first heard it, first of all, I thought it was a Southern thing. And then I learned uh, that it was definitely a, a Hoosier thing and a, and, a, and a Midwest thing. I thought they were being really sweet. Oh, thank you. Bless your heart. Honey, honey, uh, told me, bless my heart. And she was like, bless your heart. I was like, oh, this place is so sweet. And then I, I, I learned that bless your heart is the Brooklyn way of saying your mother. That's basically the, the, the way I brought that together. So there are things that happen when you're Midwest with with these kinds of guests and and they don't happen. So I think that the personal that that Jesse is talking about there, I think that's legit. I actually do believe that that is personal. Everything else, that's that's just for the air. That's just for the air to create the confrontation and the moment that the interview does happen, that it's a, a big thing. Very well done, Jesse Waters. Very well done. I'm Tony Katz. Republican colleagues' efforts to investigate President Biden and his family. We heard from Congressman Comer in recent days uh, disregarding, uh, you know, what he said, you know, making clear that polls are what's driving some of this investigation. And now an effort from some Republicans to hold the FBI director in contempt. Can we get you to weigh in on that, sir? Well, I think what we've seen is that individuals who pretend to be a party of law and order are really just a party of lawlessness and disorder. Joe's done a great job of pointing this out 
you know, every step of the way. These are people who supported a violent insurrection where there was an assault not just on the Capitol, but on Capitol police officers, and then refused to recognize their service, their bravery, their valor. So this is just part of that lawlessness and disorder that I think we've seen uh, coming from far too many extreme MAGA Republicans on the other side of the aisle. They, they want to defund the FBI. They want to investigate FBI agents. Now they want to hold the FBI director in contempt. By the way, an FBI director that was appointed, nominated by Donald Trump. Yeah. And Trump doesn't pick great people. Hakeem Jeffries, leader of the Democrats in the House. And if Christopher Wray, the FBI director, isn't going to hand over the paper, a, a not classified, unclassified, not even declassified, unclassified paper, he's going to get held in contempt. And that's the way it's going to go. That's the law and order. What are you talking about? Tony Katz. Tony Katz today, good to be with you. You can argue that there's no there there, but you'll know that after you have the document. You don't get to hold the document. The document has to be handed over. Oversight gets to see these things. Well, there's a separation. There wasn't a separation for years. Now, all of a sudden, there's a separation. No, 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 no. No. Do I know for sure whether Biden was taking money from this one or that one? The fa- We see a lot. There's a lot of ugliness out there. There's a lot of connect the dots that can be played. But the FBI director doesn't get to say, well, you can see the document, but only in this facility. And we're going to black this out. That's not the way this one works. And I think that Comer is right on this point. Will this document lead to, aha, and Biden has to be impeached and this one has to go to jail? Oh, I don't have no idea. I don't know about that. We're not dealing with that part. We're dealing with this first part. And of course, Hakeem Jeffries is wrong. But Hakeem Jeffries, remember, is not in the gig as leader of the Democrats in the House because of his, of his being right. He's there because he can say extreme MAGA Republicans better than anybody else. It's a skill, I tell you. Find everything at TonyCats.com, and I'll catch you tomorrow, everyone. Take care.